Welcome back, guys. It is Encounter with God here on Faith FM, which means that we are a part of the 20 million movement, 20 million people all around the world studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. That's what's happening right here on Faith FM. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the Bible again today, and this this week we're going to be looking at the subject of uh, language, context, text and context, just to create a... Yeah, a linguistic environment that we are going to be studying um, this passage in. Hey, before we do, before we do, the end. The end. Is on again tonight. How did it go last night? I, it went amazing last I night. I got a little bit of it last night, but yep. it was very good. I did have to finish early, though, because I had to call my mum. But uh, the bit that I did it's, that I did watch, it was phenomenally, it was, it was, empower, it was powerful. Praise God. The end was, uh, the end was on last night um, at 8 o'clock, and it'll be back on again tonight at 8 o'clock with Sharissa Tarosian. And I would encourage everybody to tune in at 8 o'clock. The end.digital. I watched it on YouTube. Where did you watch it? I watched it on Facebook. You're on Facebook? Okay. Indeed. So you can watch it on Facebook, YouTube, or go to the website, theend.digital. But if you, I just went to the, the uh, YouTube, theend.digital. You know, one thing I think is amazing about this is that this has only taken a couple of weeks to get put together, yet it seems so professionally done. It's really, really well done. This is this is this is Australian ingenuity at its best. I know best. it's it's um, wonderful. And, yeah, big like shout it's... out, big shout out to the uh, editor and producer. You know, Kyle and Matt have just done amazing work because the actual presentations themselves. And you know, I, I feel a little bit strange talking about the presentations because, yeah, I'm doing half of the presentations. The actual presentations themselves, you know, you you, you go there, you sit in front of the camera, you're done in half an hour. Yeah. The real work has gone into creating the strategy, the systems, and then actually the production itself. And you sort of see what they did with a half-hour program to create a production. It is just, you know, Kyle and Matt have just done a sensational just the job. The design of it, the, the trailer for it, the, the little intro at the start. They even, they even make me look half-interesting. They do. It's like, what's going on here? They've, they've they've done a really really good job of it. So we we encourage you strongly encourage you to check it out tonight uh, again at eight o'clock I believe uh, whether it's on YouTube the the end dot digital or on Facebook uh, just typing in the end dot digital um, there are a number of many places you can go to find it. Yes, and you can um, and and yeah I guess the other thing about it is that you know they put all this together sort of in a very short space of time on a shoestring shoestring budget indeed and it just looks totally professional totally amazing it looks like it's the shoestrings of of the queen that's what it yeah. looks like so it's so about 400 people who talked <laughs> this last night was which was a good sized group indeed and we're hoping to have a lot more over the next coming nights it'll be interesting to see how many we have by the end of the program so uh yeah a lot of people out there that are very very interested in this kind of material indeed all oh, right good. Yes, theend.digital. Be there tonight. Join Sharissa Tarosian. I will be super excited for it. You can ask us some questions there. I noticed the YouTube has a live feed on the one side of the page, and you can uh, pop some questions in there. I'll be there monitoring that live feed on YouTube and happy to answer any Bible questions you want to pop in there. Indeed. Yeah. Okay, this week's Bible study, let's go to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 26 is where we are going to begin. 
Interesting, interesting here because the Bible actually, the, the study guide actually starts off by talking about languages in the world. And uh, how many languages do you think there are in the world? I would say like big ones or do you include the little ones? The little ones. In, I don't know. In Australia alone, there's hundreds. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get all the, the indigenous languages, uh, they might have some similarities, but they are very, very different. Okay, okay. Take this. You, you, you might be shocked at how many there are indigenous languages there are in Australia. Try Papua New Guinea. Because Papua New Guinea is like, what, the size of Victoria or yeah, less? Yeah. I don't know. Be a little smaller. Yeah, similar to Victoria. I'm, I'm thinking similar to Victoria, right? Has over 700 documented languages in a country that size. <laughs> Try and wrap it's ridiculous. Your head around that. Uh, around the world, there are more than 6,000 languages. And the Bible has been translated into about one-tenth of those. So that's about 6,000 languages. The important thing is the Bible is available. I think it is, what is it, 99 or 98% of the people of the world can read the Bible in a language they do understand. And so the vast majority, all of the, all of the major languages, uh, the Bible has been translated into. And the vast majority of the population of the world can read the Bible in a language that they speak and read and understand. And a lot of that really has to do with English. And there's so many different translations in You're listening the English to the language. Joe podcast and English has become you know, the lingua franca of the world. It has become that language that, you know, we're kind of getting back to the time of the Tower of Babel. And when I see it, you know, how the English language has come to dominate the world and there are so many, so many, so many, uh, what should we say, jobs in our world today for people that do not have language, English as a first language, that to get that job and to hold that job, they're going to have to have English language skills you know, it just goes to show how dominant the English language has become. I've traveled all over the world uh, and wherever I've gone, there are people who speak English. I've never found myself in a position where I cannot communicate uh, with the local people either through someone who speaks English or just speaking directly to them in English, which is one of the reasons why as Australians we're just super slack. We only kind of speak one language. Just like the, We are the laziest I, easiest people in the world. I've attempted to learn two different languages. Which ones? Uh, French. Yes. And Auslan. Auslan sign language. Okay. Um, I, I know, so I know a little bit of it, of yep. both. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I've never really invested enough time. I'd love to invest time, but... And you kind of, like, if you want to, if you want to leave, if you want to um, learn French, you kind of need to go to a French-speaking country. Yeah. You know, like France or um, Tahiti or somewhere like that. Yeah. And live there for a year while you're learning the language or learn a bit of the language and then go and live there for a year so that you actually get to practice that language. New Caledonia, um, French Poly would be a, a great place for us that's sort of on our doorstep. You really in, you engross yourself. Yeah, just immerse yourself in it. Wallace and Fortuna, that's another country out there in the South Pacific that uh, speak French. But And I would love to learn another language myself, but very, very challenging when you kind of reach my age, unfortunately. You kind of get stuck in your ways. And so, yeah, I would encourage you, Liam. If you're young, your your brain I've is still up got for time. It. I've still, got, still time. got time. Go for it. Get out there and do it. See what I can come up with. And of course, if you're going to learn sign language, then go and live with a deaf person and just practice it every day. I know. Somewhere where you're forced to use it. Indeed. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, I know one of my um, my best friend's mum. She is uh, she she can hear, um, but she's a she's an interpreter, and I, I've learnt a lot. I've just you know I've stayed at my mate's place a couple of times, and just being with her and 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 seeing how she works and the stories that she tells, it's it's really really interesting. And one of the one of the actual a, a game that we played to to really help with with sign language was we played Guess Who, the the flip flop board game trying to guess who you've got and um it was really it was really really helpful to to help learn because you know you got colors in there you've got uh facial features you've got names if guess who is actually a really really good way of learning a language there you go never so, played it so yeah i have a friend who both of her parents are deaf yeah right so kind of sign language is kind of like first language yeah so that's pretty cool anyway uh, translating, there is obviously biblical precedent for translating the Bible into other languages. The New Testament writers translated the Word of God into the Greek language and wrote the Word of God in the Greek language um, and passed the Word of God in, you know, on the day of Pentecost, which is the day that really the Christian church was founded. The Word of God was given in 14 different languages. And so it has always been God's intention to get the Bible out into as many different languages as possible. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Anyway, we got a little bit sidetracked on that. Let's go over to our Bible study verse for today, which is Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 26. Not exactly why, sure 26. why they... 26. You sure? 3126. 3126. I've got 3246. Are you in the I, right, Am I in the right one? Is one of us in the wrong one? I might be in the wrong one. You might be in the wrong one. Well, we're going to go with 3126. Okay, well, I'll just I'll backtrack a little bit. Yeah, we're going to go with 3126. Okay. Um, I think we've both got the right one. You've got 3246, right? Yes. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. We will get there. I see. We're going to start in 3126. So a couple of different passages here from the book of Deuteronomy, but 31.26 is where we're going to start. And why don't you read that one for us there, please, Liam? Okay, it says, 31 verse 26, Take this book of instruction and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, so it may remain there as a witness against the people of Israel. Okay, my translation is a little bit more specific. It says, so that it may remain there as a witness against you. That's kind of, excuse me, that's kind of confronting right there, isn't it? It is indeed. So why is it? Let's let's try and wrap our heads around this for a moment. What what on earth is going on here? God God says, take this this copy of the the Bible, Mm -hmm. put it in the Ark of the Covenant. Um, And this one, of course, is the entire Torah. It's not the Ten Commandments because it's placed in the side of the ark. So the Ten Commandments were central to the ark. This one is placed off to one side, which shows that, yes, this is divinely inspired of God, but the Ten Commandments were written personally by God, whereas this book was the words of God written down by Moses. So a quick, a quick side note, was the, does the Torah include the, the Ten Commandments, or is that included, or is that something separate that is still... Strongly significant to yeah, good question. Yes, it does include the Ten Commandments. When you read the Torah, the Ten Commandments are right there. In the time of Moses, they also had the Ten Commandments written in stone. Yeah, 
Now, we only have it written in paper today. We only have the Torah version of it, but they also had the stone version back in the day. I see. Now, what's interesting and what's significant about this is the centrality of the Ten Commandments to the Torah. Mm. So when the Ten Commandments, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of laws in the Torah. You know, don't do this, don't, you know, there's, 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 there's laws about agriculture, there's laws about um, lifestyle, there is laws that have civil penalties, there is laws about health and, you know, so many different laws, all kinds of different laws in the Torah. But the Ten Commandments are central to all of that, which is why they have the place of preeminence in the Ark of God. They were the centerpiece of the Ark of God. In fact, the Ark of the Covenant was made for the purpose of storing the Ten Commandments. That was its purpose. Now, it ended up with a number of other things that were put in it. But its primary purpose was, and its centerpiece, was the law of God, which shows that the law of God is overarching over everything else. And so every other law that there is is subject to the law of God. And when you break those other laws, of course, you are breaking the law of God. Um, so there is there is no sin in existence that does not involve breaking one or more of the Ten Commandments. That that sin just doesn't exist. You know, if you stop and think, for instance, about Adam and Eve when they eat the fruit in the garden, which which of the Ten Commandments did they break? They I don't know. Okay, well let's think about it then. Uh, did God say not to touch that fruit? He did. So then they break the, they broke, break the commandment, thou shalt not steal. Yes. Did God say, if you eat that fruit, you'll die? He did. So, so when they ate that fruit, they, they broke the commandment that says, thou shalt not kill. Yes. Was God their father? He was. So they committed... Uh, they broke the commandment that says, honor your father and mother. Indeed. Honor your parents. Um, so that's three so far. That's three. Did, they, did, uh, did Eve covet the fruit? She did. <laughs> the Bible says, thou shalt not covet. Four. Um, that's Four. Um, the Bible says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And whenever you place anything higher in your life than God as your authority, that, pers- that th- personal thing becomes God. Did they break that one? Indeed. So that's five. Five. Um, let me think here. Um, what are some of the other commandments there? You should not make not any carved image, or you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You could kind of work the, um, the third one in there as well. Um, could you put... I don't know if you could do this, but could you put adultery in there? Because because uh, they what? definitely committed spiritual spiritual adultery. Yeah, exactly. You know, from a uh, from a type and anti type or symbolic perspective, they so committed spiritual adultery. Five, if not if not more, for more than five, we just say. So they at least five directly. Yeah, and I think that's why. I couldn't and a quite, number of others indirectly. I think that's why I couldn't quite pick one of them because. <laughs> yes, yeah, like which one are you going to go with? Yeah, you can't really pick one, can you? Um, And this is the point with sin. This is why the Bible says sin is transgression of the law. And some people say, oh, that's too simplistic. And so as human beings, we come up with a million different other definitions for sin that we don't actually need because every sin that is ever committed breaks one or more of the Ten Commandments. And if we simply go back to those Ten Commandments, we are going to find God's law of love and protection for us. Okay, Uh, let's go to, where were we going to read? Oh, okay, so we were reading there that the book of the law, which was the one that Moses wrote, uh, the first five books of the the Bible, uh, 
was placed in the side of the ark. And so it is subject to the law of God, so to speak. But it is placed there as a witness against them. That's interesting language. Do you like having something that is against you? I no. Typically speaking, no, because you know you're constantly in conflict with something. You're constantly trying to, you know, push against something. If something's against you, you're trying to push back. So it's it's kind of yeah. We don't like things that are against us. No. Do you like the books of Moses? I do. Bible says they're against you. So it sort of contradicts that, doesn't it? <laughs> but why are the books of Moses against you? It's it, I don't. The thing I like to look at it is it, it a different way of looking at it is it keeps you accountable. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And this is all about accountability right here, isn't it? Indeed. Okay, so this is accountability in relationship to our human nature. And so when you look at the law of God, the law of God is the opposite of human nature. So reading a very interesting story this morning. Six young boys are in Tonga back in the 1960s, decided that they were bored and decided that they were going to go to New Zealand. So, as you do, they had one of the local guys who they really didn't like. They stole his boat, sailed out of the harbour one evening. They took with them um, some coconuts and about enough supplies for about a day. and decided that they were going to sail to New Zealand. They didn't take any map or compass or any such thing. They're like, yeah, no, we're going to go to New Zealand. So these six kids, they just they just sailed out of the harbour and just vanished. Reminds me of the story you had last week about the, the little boy who, who who nicked his mum and dad's car to go to Hollywood, to Las Vegas. Yeah, Los but this one's, <laughs> this one's a bit different, okay? Yeah. So these guys, yeah, they're same kind of age, same kind of sense of adventure, same kind of like, yeah, let's go to New Zealand, see the big wide world, and just sail out of the harbour with uh, enough coconuts to last them for a couple of days, and that was about it, and vanished. Disappeared. Um, of course, they assumed that they had been lost at sea. They, you know, searches were sent out, but they had really no idea even where to begin searching or where they'd gone or, or any details. And funerals were held and so forth. Um, Fifteen months later, they were found. And they'd been blown ashore on a fairly barren, rocky island that was uninhabited. It was kind of the tip of a volcano, uninhabited island, no sandy beaches or anything like that. They'd been blown ashore on this island and they had survived there for 15 months. Not only had they survived there for 15 months, but being Tongans, they know know how things work. They'd actually thrived and when they were found, they were found to be in excellent health. Really? Yes. Wow. Now, what's interesting is to look at these six boys and to compare them with, you know, the very popular story that we were all first to, forced to read back in the 1980s called Lord of the Flies. I'm going to come back and give a little bit of uh, commentary on that in just a moment and a commentary on human nature. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. 
Okay, we were looking at uh, this passage in the Bible. We do need to get back to it. We were talking about Lord of the Flies. Yeah, very we were fam- indeed. Very famous novel. Millions of, millions of uh, school kids have been torment- tormented by force- being forced to read that and probably come away with a level of PTSD. An exploration of human nature. Human nature where anarchy exists and anarchy reigns and uh, kind of like some sick guy's impression of what would happen if you had a bunch of kids and you know anarchy just took over. Um, yeah, I remember being forced to read it when I was a kid and what a terrible, terrible idea that was. But needless to say, it's based on the concept that human nature is depraved. And the Bible teaches that. And so we've got a very interesting real-life example of it with these six uh, Tongan kids that got uh, stranded on this island for 15 months. And what was found was that they actually thrived, they did very, very well, and they were in outstandingly good health when they were found. Now, of course, they were Tongans. They knew how to survive in that region of the world. They knew how to catch fish. They knew how to, you know, uh, do you know, grow taro and find birds' eggs and you know all that, all the kind of stuff. They had a whole agricultural system going for themselves that um, that they were doing very, very well on when they were discovered, and they had not descended into depravity. And so a lot of people have gone, aha, there you go, you're wrong. Human nature is not depraved, human nature is actually righteous. So, you know, we are God, we, we should, and we should recognize that. And where the Bible says that human nature is depraved, then the Bible is wrong. Well, you know, what was interesting about reading their story was that there was more to this story than just the fact you had six kids marooned on an island for 15 months with no law, no restrictions, no government, no parents, no anything. What you had here was six kids who got marooned here who were Christian, Mm. who had morning and evening worship, who made their own guitar so that they could play songs and sing. Wow. Okay, so when you throw Christianity into the mix... You see, Christianity is what transforms human nature. And when human nature is transformed under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that is when we can be changed back towards the image of God. The work of the Holy Spirit in the heart is all about you know, transforming a person back into the image of God. Okay, and this is one of the reasons why the Book of the Covenant was placed in the Ark to be a testimony against us, or in other words, as Liam said, to hold us accountable. Okay, now we are going to go to the passage. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 46 and 47, please. Deuteronomy 32. Yep, verse 46 46 and 47. 47. Okay, it says, Take to heart all the words of warning I have given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children, so they will obey every word of these instructions. These instructions are not empty words. They are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land you will occupy when you cross the Jordan River. Okay, so why is it so important for the children of Israel to obey all of the words of this law? Um, Because... Because of they can't they can't do all of them because they are okay. Let me ask this question. question yeah, again. good. 
Okay, so why was it so important for the children of Israel to obey all the words of this law? Okay, yeah. Uh, so it's important because these are laws that were given by God. Yep. And as we said before, there were laws to keep them accountable. Okay. Yeah. How then does God's word prolong our days? Because it says, you know, it's, it's important that you keep all of these to prolong your days so that you live longer. Well, we think about what, the, what would that mean in the context of our day? The, we think about the laws of Leviticus. Yes, we're, we're following those laws right yeah. now. So these laws, C nineteen wouldn't exist exact, if exactly. we followed the laws of Leviticus. There'd exactly. be a whole, way, there'd be what, uh, there would be sixty thousand people in our world right now who would still be alive if we kept the laws of Leviticus. Exactly. So, do you need do you need anything more powerful than that? I mean, seriously, <laughs> we are living in an object lesson that demonstrates the. The, the 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 reality of God's laws being good law good laws indeed so so yeah it's 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 an interesting one uh, but yeah and and this is this is something you're going to find consistently throughout the Bible because you're always going to find people say well you know that's not actually going to make any difference and we were talking earlier today about Samaritan's Purse and how that the um, they've been ordered to leave New York City. And they're, of course, they're a major international aid organization who's been operating a um, a hospital in Central Park. They've they've put in put in place a makeshift hospital in Central Park, and they've been ordered out of the city because of their stand on same sex marriage. And so, a lot of people from the world they they look at same sex marriage and say, okay, how can that how can that be possibly damaging to our world? Why does the Bible even have a law against it? But anybody who studies history knows that when laws relating to sexuality are eased off, the society collapses in three generations. And we're about halfway through that right now. We can already see the cracks in Western society. We can already see other societies that have much stricter laws than ours that are rising to power. We're already feeling incredibly threatened by it and seeing them as being our potential enemies and the reality is, if time lasts, that these other you know, societies are going to eclipse ours. And ours is just going to fade away. Western, Western society is going to fade away and it's going to be eclipsed by other stronger societies. And one of the reasons being because Western society and the strength of Western society was created by biblical laws. That's a simple fact. And anyone who has any cursory knowledge of history knows that is the case. Now that we have, you know, kind of gone out of our way to reject those laws, we can see the cracks coming into Western society. We see it starting to fall apart. And there's nothing new about this. It has repeated itself over and over and over again down through history. There is nothing new. Sometimes we look at our world and go, well, you know, it's a new world. The world's never been like this before. And we've never had, you know, the openness that we have before and the acceptance that we've got of uh, all kinds of things. And we need to get rid of the Bible because the Bible isn't very open and the Bible isn't very accepting of, you know, all of these different kinds of uh, things that you find uh, taking place. And yet when you find people, that, and, and yet you're going to find that there has been many times in the past when society has gone down exactly the same path. And whenever it does, it collapses. You've got three generations and that's it. It's over. It's as simple as that. And so God's word was given to prolong our days. Everything that the Bible says is going to be good for us 
and good for society as a whole if we look at it from a big picture perspective.